Hey everyone, just a heads up. Our guest Mary had some issues with her audio during recording, so you may hear some funkiness throughout this episode. The content is still awesome, and I know you'll enjoy the episode regardless. I didn't choose Lanfear, so you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Hey everyone, welcome to Barside Chats. I'm Brian the Gleeman. And I'm Matt the Innkeeper. And this is a Wheel of Time podcast from the Dusty Wheel. Alright, which characters do you hate and can you think of something nice to say about them? Let's find out tonight on Barside Chats. We're back with the usual duo, myself and my good friend Matt. Matt, how's it going? Fantastic. I'm excited. We got to the end of a month here at the Dusty Wheel, and now that means new guests and new episodes coming up in September. Yeah, awesome. What kind of can you give us a hint? Can any any hints or Yeah, that... yeah, cuz by by the time our fans will hear this, they'll know this at least these next two uh this upcoming Sunday, my guests are going to be Rakapa Sadai. Rakapa. We all know and love and Jamie from Randland the TV Pod cast and you brian barside chats you're going to be with us on sunday we're going to be doing talking what that's our variety game show night it's gonna be a lot of fun i can't wait and uh and then the following what wednesday we're doing something different we're gonna have christy lucier back and she's gonna bring a scene or a section of scenes from the books and she's gonna give it a screenwriter's treatment and we're actually gonna go through her script and talk about why, from a screenwriting perspective, she would make certain choices for TV. We're going to do that live. We're going to, we might even, you know, uh, act out the parts that she has and just talk about why she makes certain choices. Uh, I love this idea. It's going to be really unique and different. I can't wait. That is awesome. I'm super, super, super excited for that. And I'm excited to be on your, your show on Sunday. This might be my first appearance on YouTube. So if you're listening to this, you get a chance to see my ugly mug on the screen. <laughs> talking to Matt and playing games. It's going to be awesome. And our special guest today is our good friend, Mary. You may recognize her as a regular panelist on the Dusty Wheels adaptation series. Mary, how are you? Oh, it's going all right. How are you guys? We're doing great. We're doing great. We're really happy to have you here. I'm glad to be here. Tonight, we're going to talk about uh, something very interesting. We're going to talk about characters that we despise. <laughs> nice. <laughs> okay. We're going to talk about characters that we hate. And I'm sure both of you can think of at least one or two or three or 11 characters <laughs> that you just do not like. So we're going to talk about them first. And uh, Matt, since you've been laughing so hard, you obviously have one in mind. Who, which character do you hate? This is the second character that came to mind, but I'm going to pick it. Uh, Valen Luca. I just despise maybe his entire plot. <laughs> and this might have to do with everything that went on there. But Valen Luca is just a waste of space to me. Like, I just. Why? Why? What's so bad about Valen Luca? He's just one of those. Uh, and maybe it's that kind of just the skeevy, you know, cultish, you know, people that you, you get this, you get this feel like certainly they abuse their power in this kind of position. And I don't know, I always get the, I get bad vibe from Val and Luca. Uh, and that's not to say that there's not, maybe isn't something redeeming about him, but uh, yeah, he's just, 
I've always gotten the bad vibes around the, of the around the Luca. He just rubs you the wrong way. That's the problem. That's what I think is happening. I think he's rubbing a lot of people the wrong way. That's what. I- <laughs> <laughs> Mary, what do you think about Val and Luca? You like him or not? Um, uh, he was annoying, but I don't think he engendered a lot of like hate, hatred. Uh, he, he did serve a plot purpose, and uh, there were some amusing parts to him. I think his uh, pursuit of Nynaeve was. Uh, it, it was borderline inappropriate, but uh, it was more of a, he got really close to the line, but I don't think he ever crossed it. Um, and so that part, you know, I, I kind of read it with some trepidation, like, oh man, this is just going to go south in a hurry, isn't it? But uh, I don't think he ever really crossed the line. Maybe not with her, but I don't know. He gives you the feel like this is a line he's crossed many times. <laughs> That's- uh, I've seen enough carnival movies to know that the uh, the owner is always kind of strange. You have to be you have to be a strange, weird person to own a carnival in the first place, right? <laughs> you just offended all carnival owners out there. But yeah, <laughs> if you're a carnival owner and you're listening to this show, let me know and I'll buy you a drink. Otherwise, you're all <laughs> the bar you're, you're all weird and strange. <laughs> yeah. um, so, but, uh, but we but, like the weird and strange. Yeah. We do like the weird and strange. That's true. Certain weird and strange. That's our bread and butter. <laughs> <laughs> so okay so we've identified Valen Luca as a character that you don't like yeah uh, that you despise he rubs you the wrong way he's kind of creepy you're worried about him yeah tell me something nice about this guy <laughs> he has wonderful calves wonderful calves <laughs> uh, something nice about Valen Luca oh this is hard um oh man um Okay, I'll try to twist this around. It's something nice. He, he took in strangers and gave them a life and a place to, to be and be themselves and make money for him. <laughs> uh, sorry, there was some, something nice there, I think. I think I just said something nice about him. Uh, I don't know. Uh, it's, I, I, I'm trying to think of anything other other nice things I could say about him. Um, I think he has some nice calves. Stop objectifying him. I know. I totally just yeah. That's well. This is something nice about him. I'm sorry. <laughs> He's proud of them, so I, I'm sure he would take it as a compliment. Exactly. Yeah. I don't. I don't feel like he'd be offended. What do you think, Mary? You think that's good enough? You think that makes him a, uh, is that a good analysis of his niceness or, or not suckiness? Uh, it's definitely, a, it's definitely an economic driver, but I think it's a mutual economic driver. Um, you know, I don't think anybody is there out of the goodness of their heart. Uh, some of them are there for their craft, but uh, yeah. Um, I, that was what I was thinking. If I had to say something nice about him is like, it's not just the, the other acts he takes in nine, and Elaine and Matt and company. And, uh, you know, they have to work and earn their place, but they're given the opportunity to do so. And they do so. So, you know, yeah. And, and I think, I think, I think toward the end of the Val and Luca story, he actually takes risks on behalf of some of the people in there. Like he, he um he pre protects them from the shanshan and, and uh and in other ways like he doesn't like just immediately hand over Matt and Tuan and and the others so so he's not a total scumbag right. um although you know questionably it, he's protecting his pocketbook and not you know <laughs> exactly. any, any sense of of morals yeah yeah 
<laughs> you can say the same thing about Bale Domon. You really can. Whoa, the whoa, same whoa, thing? whoa. Let's, let's, right. What are you? Hold <laughs> on, hold on. I don't think that's part of this. <laughs> We're not defending Bale Domon, but whoa, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What do you? All right, let's let's move on to the next one, Mary. Wait, who do you despise? <laughs> I'm guessing you despise Bale Doman. No, 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 no. Um, uh, if I had to pick a character that just kind of drives me at the wall and just engenders like a really negative reaction, okay, there's a ton of them. But the one that came to mind first was Savannah. Oh yeah. Oh, that's wow. a, that's a good one. That's a good one. What do, what do you hate the, about uh, Savannah? What's so bad about her? Oh my God. She is just manipulative. She is deceitful. She uses the rules of her culture against her own culture and still comes out on top. Um, not to get political, but it seems really timely right now. Um, and, you know, she gets, she literally, literally gets away with murder. And, uh, everybody just enables her and lets her do it, and she has absolutely no right to do it, but they let her do it anyway, and, you know, she just twists everything that uh, the Aiel are supposed to be, and yes, we're supposed to hate the Shido, the way that they're written, that they're, that they're sneaky, they're underhanded, they're not really, you know, they're like the worst of the worst type of thing, but she just uses that uh, to make, you know, to, to enrich herself and it just i it drives me up the wall it just ugh, I, I just hate that kind of person and that personality and i guess that's a testament to how well she's written because she just engenders that strong negative response what do you think about savannah matt wow i, I don't want to be an apologist for savannah she's not she's not a good person she's a product of the ideal way of life um i i mean look I mean, look what happens when they find out the the true story uh, behind them. You know, it's not like this is a culture built on truth and honesty. <laughs> you know, they're not like <laughs> you know they they've hidden away uh, deep dark secrets. Look at any family that when deep dark secrets are revealed, you know what what happens to people in those situations. So, is is but the Shido didn't. Yeah, they didn't, uh, that didn't break them. They just absolutely rejected it. Even though the, there were wise ones there who knew the truth, they still rejected the, you know, the truth that they knew that they survived when they went through uh, the trials at Rudy. And, and you know, part, the only thing I can think of that was you know, it's a product of the culture is the only path to power for Savannah was through being the roof mistress to the clan chief. And that ended when Kuladin met Matt. Uh, so, um, so she had, so she lost her standing. Her standing was dependent on this other guy that, that part kind of sucks. Yes. But so she was not interested. She was, she wanted power for herself. And so she found an alternate path to get that power and she did it through manipulating the wise ones and the wise ones let her do it. They had, they had all the power and they either they're like, yeah, she's no big deal. We'll be able, you know, we can just let her play queen and just do what we want or hey we can use her as a wild card to further our own agendas even if it completely screws up um our way of life you know we see profit in this and so we're gonna we're gonna ride this crazy horse as long as we can uh even if we have to kill one of our own to do it and that's what they did okay so considering how much you dislike this character now say something 
nice and positive about Savannah. Say something nice, nice and positive. Okay. She is incredibly effective. She is good at what she does and she is good at reading a room and manipulating it and getting, coming out ahead. And, uh, you know, I, that, I don't know if that's admirable, but, um, you can't argue with her results. She gets what she wants. Interesting. I think that's, I think that's right. She gets, she gets what she wants and she's so effective and she's so good at it. And even though the other thing I would say is that despite being a sociopath and manipulative and, and just a sadistic person, she's also very driven. She's also very like, I'm going to get what I want and I'm not going to let failure get in the way. And right up until the very end, she is just like, I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up. And, and any hero. And like, if we were talking about, you know, uh, Matt or Perrin uh, or Rand, like that is a That's a heroic quality. That's like a very positive quality. And for Savannah, as evil and terrible as she was, for her to have that quality, I think that's a positive. I can, I can go with that. Yeah, I like that. I like to be bringing that up because it just does go back to this question of, you know, someone that's that talented and that good at doing what you just described, Mary. You know, we've all, well, I don't know if we've all met them, but I've met people like that. They're scary. <laughs> They're extremely scary to be in the room with you and just how well they understand a group, group dynamics and how capable they are to manipulate those dynamics to their benefit and almost how casual they can do those things. It is a scary talent and it does lead people down the same kind of road that you see Savannah go on. I think Robert Jordan wrote that really well. Okay, Brian, how about you? All right. So my choice, um, uh, you know, is as effective and sadistic and terrible and mean as Savannah is, I'm going to go with somebody who is completely incompetent has no redeeming qualities whatsoever, and that is Elida. <laughs> Whoa, Elida, no <laughs> redeeming qualities. Wow, wow, she, she drives me nuts. Like she starts off as like I'm going to, uh, I'm going to save the world, and I'm going to do it by protecting the throne of Andor. And then when uh, she gets to the White Tower, she goes off the freaking deep end. She overthrows the White Tower, and then she runs around on a power trip and, and beats the crap out of everybody. Like whipping people and smacking people and shaming people and humiliating people and I just think I just think that's like not not to get political but that's the hallmark of a terrible leader who just calls people names and you know lies all the time and, and tries to I don't know I just think she's terrible she's awful she's mean she's crazy she's power hungry and she she might be trying to do it for the right reasons but it's just she, she's not even good at it she's not even good at it she's just She's terrible at her job. She should not be the leader. She should she, not be the Amarlin. She became Amarlin. I mean, to say she's terrible at it, that seems like a, uh, a step too far. Yeah, but that's just, she's just so bad at it. It drives me crazy. I hate her guts. And uh, she's probably one of my least favorite characters in the series. She was, she was definitely a puppet of the Black Ajah. They picked up on her drive and her ambition and they totally rammed it down uh, everybody's throat and used it to break the tower. And, you know, in, I, I would say in contrast to Savannah, Elena uh, was uh, horribly ineffective uh, at bringing people together. She just divided That's what I'm people. That's what I'm and not, yeah. 
Yeah. And not, not for any benefit to herself. She was just so, I'm going to save the world because I'm right and I'm awesome. It's all about me. It's not about, you know, there was no like economic driver or anything. She was all about the fame. She's like, you know, I'm going to leash the dragon. I'm going to drag his butt down to Thakandar and we're going to beat the, the living tar out of the dark one. And everybody's going to remember me because I'm awesome. <laughs> that was that was yeah. Elida. Yeah, and she it was like I'm I'm gonna be the greatest Omerlin ever, and then she was not. She was absolutely the worst. <laughs> yes, she was not. That's true. I, I give you that. She was not the best. I, she certainly had a. I, maybe it was just that she was used to power uh, with her influence in Andor. That was just something she expected to be good at because maybe she just didn't have. She never had the leadership experience that you was going to make her a good Omerlin, but she, she was used to power itself. And so I think she just assumed that she'd be good at the other, you know, and that she'd be able to handle it. She assumed that because she figured she was right, everybody would follow her because she was right. I mean, she, she was so convinced in her cause and so convinced that her interpretation of events were correct that she couldn't even fathom that she would be wrong. And that was, that's kind of the irony thing is that she had these four tallings and Oh man, did she whiff at interpreting them? Absolutely whiffed, and uh, made things worse. And then she'd have another foretelling, and then completely screw up the interpretation of that too. And it was just misstep after misstep after misstep. And you know, she should have ended up in a ditch somewhere, but no. Yeah, and then every time she screwed up, she just blamed somebody else. And it's not like it's not like she took any responsibility for her actions whatsoever. She's just a despicable despicable character i'm sorry okay i have no, I have no <laughs> so I, I don't even know if i can you, you're gonna ask me what yeah. what's something yeah good, that's what i'm gonna ask i can you. say about her i, mean, I don't yes, even know no, if no, i can no. say you something you can't good get out of it no nope it's unacceptable uh, i can think of one so no mary can't you know brian needs to <laughs> brian needs to come up with this we need to say All something right. nice and positive about elida some characters describe her as handsome <laughs> that's no, 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 no. That's, look, look. Well-turned calves made sense. I mean, that's that's Lucas' thing. But Elida isn't out there. Like, that's right. I'm handsome. You need to come up with something better than that. <laughs> all right, all right. So, how low is the bar she limboed under? <laughs> come on, friend. You can do it. I can. I can think of two. I can yeah, think of two. Maybe, you can think yeah, of. Yeah, come, come on. on. All right, all right. So I, I would say that um, of the uh, similarly to Savannah being being sadistic and mean and, and all that stuff is is obviously terrible. But the one good thing, one good thing I can think of about Elida is that she actually did appear to care for Elaine uh, and uh, as a person, not just as an object of saving the world, but like she genuinely did seem to care about her. Um, and, or at least for her well-being, um, and, and, you know, I, they didn't really go too much into how much she cared about like Morgais and, and Galad and, and Gawain and, and all of them. But, um, but when it comes to Elaine, she did have at least some sort of, um, friendly, possibly maternal instinct toward her. So maybe I'll give her that credit for that. <laughs> That's good. You gave her like a modicum of maternal instinct. Great. <laughs> if, if, she, if she was mother Gothel. <laughs> Dang, <laughs> I, I would not go there. I would so kudos to you, Brian, but I would not go there. Mary, you had two. I want to hear these two. If, that was, yeah. if that wasn't part of it, I want to okay. hear your two. All right. 
she wasn't the dark friend. <laughs> she, she, she was 100% on the side of light. She was a bumbling idiot, but she was not a dark friend. Sure, sure, sure. Okay, not a dark friend. That's that's a great, great, you know. <laughs> <laughs> she was excellent at arranging flowers. <laughs> that I, <laughs> Flower arrangements are important. That's, yeah. That is my favorite of all the positives that anyone has mentioned here. That's not something <laughs> I would have ever... I, I'm assuming you're citing something from the books. I I could care less about Elida and her flower arranging. But. Yeah, no, she had... Uh, uh, a, a vase of roses that were frozen with the power at the, the peak of their beauty while the rest of the world was starving. That's talent right there. I mean, this, that's like, that's like on my headstone and my tombstone, it just says how to podcast. Okay. You, hey, look, <laughs> we're, we're doing a podcast in the world <laughs> in the midst of a pandemic. Look, you got to find the bright spots in the midst of, uh, in destruction and, and terror and fear, you know? So, uh, all right, let's uh, let's flip this around a little bit. Let's flip the script and let's talk about a character that you love, and then you have to say something mean about them. So, Mary, who's a character that you love from the books? Okay, I uh, I have lots of characters that I do love, and I think I kind of uh, weaseled out of that last one by picking a character that we weren't really intended to like. So, I'm going to pick a character that I love that I think a lot of people really don't like, and that's Fael. Hmm. Ah. Interesting. Go on. Okay. What I really like about Fael is she was, you know, she was seeking adventure. She traveled halfway across the world to go sign up to be a hunter for the horn and to, to, uh, to, to be part of this grand tradition. And she did it by herself. You know, she didn't have an entourage. She didn't have a support system. She, it was just her and her horse. And she didn't even have a name picked out. Um, until she got there and then you know she got looped into the main quest and uh carried on and instead of focusing on you know this pie in the sky thing she realized no there's more important things going on and i can help uh so she got looped in and then you know she, her attraction to Perrin and uh, the whole thing in Shadow Rising, and which is, I'm sorry, the best battle in the, the books, as far as I'm concerned, is the Battle of Two Rivers. I love it. It is absolutely brilliant because uh, it's just normal people fighting for their homes. It's not uh, grandiose battles. It's just it, it just really hits home to me. Um, she's able to take the um, the the simpering. Uh, tier B level of nobles in Tier and Karian and get them to be uh, a cohesive unit, to get them to be something useful, even as silly as they were. Um, and she was able to to uh, to utilize them to to benefit to positive benefit. Uh, she stayed dedicated to her cause and she used her brain, she used her wits, uh, even when she was captured to protect her people and to see them through a very difficult situation all the way through the end. And I'm sorry, as much as much hate as she gets, you gotta love what she did to uh, Masima. <laughs> Absolutely adore what she did to Masima. She, uh, yeah, I don't want to spoil it too much, but yeah, that was a, that was a brilliant scene. Okay, that's a lot of love. That's a lot of love for a character. So tell us something mean or that you might despise about her. 
um, the jealousy. I think she should have gotten over that sooner and, and learned to trust uh, Perrin uh, when he was being, you know, he had no control over what Berylaine was doing to him. And she should have, uh, you know, had a conversation with him, even as, as, as knockdown drag out as conversations are in Saldean culture. Um, but she should have trusted him. And, uh, and, even if she did feel jealous about it, she shouldn't have you're taken it a out on you. Healthy relationship involves communication. What? <laughs> yeah, who knew, right? I, I I agree. I think um, Fayil is one of those characters that you love to hate, but she did. She is a probably one of the more interesting characters. Maybe in a lot of ways, one of the more three dimensional characters of the series. And in some ways, very you know stereotypical, like you know jealous at the drop of a hat and all that stuff um but but she is one i guess one of the most surprising characters in the books and and so i i don't i'm not totally surprised that that you love her so much because um yeah i mean she's just good at that and but her jealousy is obviously a her jealousy is obviously a a problem in the books like it drives a lot of the conflict and it and almost like unnecessary conflict right like we've got huge swaths of the book that are about her being yes. jealous and it's almost like well we're talking about the fate of the world here who cares you know yeah should have gotten over it sooner and i think you know that's one of the the drawbacks to her character i'll i'll, I'll totally admit to that but i think it's definitely overshadowed by she genuinely cares for her people and she wants her people to do well, whether those people are the people of the two rivers, the Chafail, the, her fellow prisoners, she cares for them and she does what she can for them. And she's effective at it. Yeah. Okay. So en enough love for Fayil. <laughs> Matt, who, who do you love? And, and oh what, man. I, what do you have to say about him? I can't tell if I should go with the one that like all of our listeners know that I want to say or not. Um, or go with Come on, stretch, bit. Matt. You can do it. I'll stretch. I'll stretch. I'll stretch. Uh, Varen. You didn't stretch that far. That was, that was. <laughs> Look, I didn't say Lanfear. Let's be honest here. I wanted to say Lanfear. I didn't say it. <laughs> that is true. Varen, we have to give you that. Maybe we go a podcast without Matt bringing up Lanfear. <laughs> Varen. <laughs> Baron, and I, and I just this, this is because I feel like I'm brown Aja, right? She just appeals to me from her curious, inquisitive nature. I love her uh, her ability to be thinking five things at one time, and you know how everyone's looking at her, kind of either like she's lost, but she's really not lost, and she's hearing most of what's happening. Let's be honest. If you think the way Baron does, you're not catching it all, but she's hearing a lot more and understanding a lot more than people are giving her credit for when she's, when she has that tendency and, and the fact that she's able to kind of live this dissonance um, in her character, um, you know, for the good. Uh, but, but that all of the, her curiosity has taken her down some deep, you know, deep dark paths, if you will. Uh, so I, I just love that about her that it, she's this, I mean, how old is Varen? I don't even know her age, but she's still just as curious. There's something enduring and lovely uh, just about that curiosity that never dies. You can see it in anyone that ages. And you can just tell that some people just gave up a long time ago. But Varen's like one of those people that just, she, she can't know enough. She can't learn enough. And, and I'll be honest, and she treats others with a lot more respect than other, like even among Aes Sedai, right? There's just, there's almost a certain respect that she gives Egwene and others that, 
you know, you look at uh, any other Aes Sedai, Alana, you know, it doesn't matter, anyone that interacts with them, and it's just more about power and about hierarchy and, and structure when it comes to, you know, who's more important in a room. And I just, Varen doesn't take it that way. She's extremely smart, but I think that there's a, you know, a definite caring side on her and almost like a mentoring side. Just look at the way the, the story ends. Like, this is some way that's just well well uh, well thought out uh, just from a you know a life goals perspective and makes things happen when no one else is expecting it right it's it's so yeah i i have a lot of love for varen uh for all those reasons and more mary what do you think about varen as a as a choice it's it's a good one it's a she's an incredibly intriguing character she's uh, you never know what to think about her and her position in the whole light versus dark thing. And that's, that was, there were clues for both sides all the way up to the end, all the way up to the end. And uh, I think she was a very well-written character. And I like what you said, Matt, her, her innate curiosity, and her, her thirst for knowledge, uh, just for knowledge's sake, not just for her, her life mission. You know, she had a, a genuine curiosity about the world. And, uh, and she was able to, uh, manipulate the the room without manipulating it she was able to get people to forget she was there so they would be more free in in sharing their information or they would they would dismiss her without belittling her she's like you know she's just the you know the 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 curious little librarian but she really wasn't but was she oh you know yeah she is i can, I can keep talking about my fiendish plans um and uh yeah it, she was the uh the sleeper the sleeper character that uh, that garnered a lot of interest and a lot of theories. Yeah, I think Varen is easily one of the best thought out characters in the series and arguably the most complex of all the characters. Um, and so I, I think she's a fantastic choice. But but Matt, what, say something bad about her. Oh, say no, something bad about her. Is... Do it. Do it. This is terrible. Do it. Oh, this Do is, it. No, this is terrible. Do this it. Is terrible. So... Okay, I will say this, um, man, and this kind of, you know, I know this is a spoiler podcast, this ruins things for people. So if you listen, if you listen to our spoiler podcast, you never heard the books before, then this is your fault. I would say the one negative thing I can say about Baron is that she did some deep, dark stuff. Uh, her curiosity let her down some deep, dark paths. And if for the purpose of achieving you know things she wanted to in life she was willing to accept that cost and that makes her really complex you know uh for the things that she did and the things that we just don't even know right that robert jordan didn't write down that we don't you know alludes to uh, and i mean we've asked maria before <laughs> can you tell us more about these things um and we've gotten you know raffos uh, as far as we know there probably isn't any details but yeah the deep dark road she went down it's I have a hard time justifying in my mind, but I still love her. It's the question of how far are you willing to go to get what you want? Yeah, she went, she went, she went way down that road. <laughs> she went farther down that road than just about anybody. And, and it's, the, uh, it's that old philosophical question, do the ends justify the means? And I have to say, I don't know. Uh, I, it doesn't make me hate Varen, but it probably would if I knew 
right? It's that absence of an awareness of all those things. But if you listed out everything Varen had to do, I think all of us would struggle a little bit more than we do, right? It's just a, it's just like anything, right? In the news, you're like, that guy, everyone's like, that guy was amazing. He died and he just helped the world and blah, blah, blah. And there's somebody out there going like, yeah, you just don't know the story, you know? You don't know his entire story. It's it's tough. It's tough with Baron. That's probably one of the more genius things that Robert Jordan did, though, is he deliberately left it vague, and your imagination fills uh-huh. in fills in the blanks. Um, and so, depending on how depraved your imagination is, she's either not that bad or like the worst person ever. So I shouldn't. I should dislike her, <laughs> but I can't. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing. He's like, you should, but you can't. And so it's that it makes you question yourself, and it makes you question uh, your 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 worldview. And that's that's a powerful character. By the way, I'm so impressed we haven't uh, mentioned Gawain yet. So Brian. Is Gawain your favorite character? Gawain is not my favorite character. <laughs> would you tattoo his name on your body? <laughs> I would not tattoo his name on my body for a bajillion dollars, even if Rafe Judkins <laughs> gave him to me personally. It would not happen. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Much, much love to John. Much, much love to, to John. Out there. Of very, very proud of, of you. Course. Very proud of you, buddy. But, uh, yes. Nice. Um, <laughs> uh, so, so my pick is, I'm, I'm going to go with, with an old favorite of mine. Uh, it's a character that I'm, I really like, and I'd like to see more of, and that is Aludra the Illuminator. Uh, Ooh. I think she's just a really fascinating character. She embodies an organization that is intrinsically interesting. Um, the Illuminators are mysterious and they do this like cool fireworks thing that nobody knows about. And they're inclusive and they're secretive and Matt wants to know about it and she won't tell him. And, you know, and uh, I think that she's just every scene that she's in, I just think she's interesting. And she's uh, she stands up to Matt's charms. Nobody else in the book can really stand up, you know, aside from, you know, Elaine and Nynaeve and, and Egwene. Nobody else that's not a main character can stand up to Matt's charms. They just... Uh, they they just like you know giggle and swoon or whatever and and um, Aludra is the only one who's like you know I think you're pretty cute but no this is my stuff and I'm not going to share it with you. She's handy. She's technical. She's not just a, a a pretty girl that shows up. She's not a lamp. Feels like a real character and and uh, I really I really like Aludra and I like all of the scenes that she's in. And if I had to pick a character that I love that, um. Like almost unreservedly, it would be it would be Illusion, and I'd love to see her in a spinoff series, Amazon, <laughs> about Illuminator sure. School. Way so, to plug it. <laughs> if you're listening, Illuminator School. Uh, Mary, is this your? Or do you have a lot of love for Illudra? Is she did she get on your list, or was that kind of a surprise for you? She's a fun character, and I I, I like the idea of a secret society of organic chemists. I mean, that's just awesome. That's just awesome. Uh, Let's take the hardest class in college and we'll make a secret society of those people. That's what Robert Jordan did. And then they create a bomb. Wait a second. Um. Yeah. 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 She was, and I like that you picked up that she was, uh, she made the choice to be immune to, to Matt's charms. Uh, that is, that, that's actually one of my favorite parts about it. She's like, yeah, like you said, yeah, you're cute, but no, you're not getting what you want. Enemy. Yes. But you know, by the way, I need a bell founder. Go get me one. Yeah. That, I mean, yeah. And then she turns it around on him and then he does it. I want to agree with you. Like 
for a fun, just a, just a fun character that, and, and maybe this is that whole point about not being like so directly tied to a Taviran, like to the point where, you know, you get pulled within, you know, Robert Jordan pulled you into the weaves of that, you know, surrounding that Taviran to the point where it feels like you're not fun any longer. I'm not mentioning any names about certain characters, but, uh, but Aludra gets to kind of touch on that, but stay outside of that. And it, it seems like Robert Jordan had fun with her character because it, it, it did, she didn't feel like a plot device. It just felt like she kind of felt like a self-realized person in the world that just was really compelling and fun and interesting. And we got little, you know, a little knowledge about her here and there, but you know, uh, yeah, I, I agree. I love this pick. I love this pick a lot. So, I know how much you love her, uh, Brian, because you want to do a spinoff with her. So tell us something very, has to be negative, like mean, despising, like in what way would you despise or, you know, find something very negative about Aludra? So I would say that the thing that I think stinks the most about her is that she has this um, kind of secret power, this, this gunpowder ingredient thing. And she still keeps it a secret, even even late into the series when she knows that maybe it could make a difference in, in a war, in a battle. Um, and she kind of keeps it to herself and keeps it a secret almost all the way up until the end. Um, and I feel like she could have come out sooner to help. Um, and instead, she just kind of said, no, this is my secret stuff. Um, and, and I think that's kind of a bummer. That's like a... Um, you know, if, if you had if you had a a, a, a a new kind of sword, magic sword that you know could cut through metal walls or something, um, and you just kept it to yourself in, until until you can make a thousand of them, like is that still good? I mean, is it better to keep it to yourself until you can make a thousand of them, or do you try to use it? You try to hand off the one that you have, and um, I think that she kind of she could have been more open with her knowledge. Uh, after after she got kicked out of the guild and after she um, uh, realized the danger that the world was in. Uh, selfish? Would you call her selfish in that regard then? Not not so much selfish as un, uh, unwilling to compromise, uh, stubborn, unwilling to compromise on her uh, principles for the greater good. But would it have been the greater good? I mean, the gunpowder would be the great equalizer against people who could channel. And I think she, she knew that. She absolutely knew that. But... Um, but it's also, you know, she knows as being an illuminator, she knows the destructive power of this and what could happen if it were available for everybody to use. And, you know, I don't know if she was, I, I don't believe she was driven by a sense of altruism to keep that secret. But um, I think if everybody had access to that, uh, to, to gunpowder, it, it would change the world. It has changed the world. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so let's just wrap this up. Uh, we've we've each done two of them, and uh, I'd like to let you guys have a, a parting thought, maybe, for our audience. Uh, Mary, is there anything you'd like to leave our audience with, based on what we've talked about? Uh, I would say, you know, when you when you read the Wheel of Time books, uh, and you you start to have an emotional response about any of the characters that you read, uh, you know, live in that moment because that's part of the joy of reading the books, even if, you know, if it's a positive response or a negative response, and then also try to see things from the opposite side and, you know, find the good and the bad and find the bad and the good and find that balance. I think you'll get a lot more of enjoyment out of the series if you read it that way. I agree. Matt, you got a parting thought for us? 
Uh, yeah, I didn't choose Lanfear, so you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't have to hear my love fest about Lanfear. Someday you will. I mean, maybe you already do, but someday we'll have like an episode about it. No, I, I, I was actually going to say what, what Mary said or something along those lines, which was, uh, it, we, it's always easy to gloss over the things that are not really great about someone that you love. And it's really easy to point out the glaring mistakes about the people that you hate. And that is a, it's a human fault that we have. It's, it's a survival instinct in many ways, but at the same time, it's also a problem when it comes to fan discussions about characters in books, <laughs> you know? And so mm -hmm. in the end, uh, I like to see when people dig into characters that are traditionally disliked and get tattoos about them and stuff, you know, not people that will actually like, <laughs> yeah. No, they'll, they'll, they'll actually go out and purposely say, you know, maybe this is, this person just isn't understood. And maybe Robert Jordan was trying to do something more here and we've all just kind of glossed over it. So I, I think this kind of discussion is a lot of fun. Hope everyone's enjoyed it. Yeah. Awesome. I, I, I feel like, um, the, the, the takeaway that I have is that characters that, uh, cause you to have extreme emotion about like while you're reading those are the best characters those are the ones that the author did a really good job of evoking something out of you that wasn't there naturally um and so i think the the characters that are the most polarizing are the best um and and the, the boring ones they're just there for filler and background like rand and whoever like they're just there to move the plot <laughs> along but the real rand is there to move the plot along but the real interesting characters the ones that really make the world magical are the ones like Aluja and Varen and Savannah and Elida, you know, all of them. And it's it's just a, I think it's a sign of a good author, a good writer who can make you feel things based on what they wrote. So uh, let's leave it there for tonight. Uh, Mary, it was a pleasure having you on the show. Thanks for coming. Well, thanks for having me. I, I had fun. And Matt, it's always great to see you at the bar side. It's always great to be at the bar side. I love just saying random stuff that I don't believe tomorrow, you know. <laughs> I have, I'm certain I have no idea what you're talking about. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you like it, please tell your friends and leave us a review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. You can find us on Twitter at Barside Chats Pod or on the Discord. The link is in the notes. Thanks for listening and have a great night from Barside Chats from the Dusty Wheel. Barside Chats is a Dusty Wheel production, jointly hosted by Brian the Gleeman and Matt the Innkeeper. If you would like to support this podcast, please leave us a review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, or you may email us at podcast at thedustywheel.com.